We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This episode is sponsored by betonline.ag, and it's a special one. Uh, my co-host, as always, Rohan Kadi, and I are joined today by former Milwaukee Buck, Johnny O'Brien. We are very excited to be joined by J-O-B. Johnny, how's it going? It's going great. It's going great, man. Can't complain. Um, staying safe, staying healthy, washing my hands. So. <laughs> yeah. How are you, how are you handling uh, this? Uh, how are you handling this time? How are you keeping yourself busy? Um, I think I think for the most part, my kids, man, are keeping me busy. You know, they uh, they're not in school and they're at home, so they're, they're you know I have to keep me and my wife have to um, try to keep try to keep new ways to invent new ways to really just keep them busy. You know, we're running out of ideas, so it's been um, been pretty interesting. No, definitely. I was actually just talking to uh, my buddy Amo. We we're talking about you know I feel like the pro basketball players that, that we know and we cover must be the most bored of all that I was saying this because I mean you're so used to doing so many different things and traveling all over the world and playing and practicing and everything else and, and he came back at me right away with well I feel like the guys with kids probably have their hands pretty full and I was like yeah that, that's a good point <laughs> yeah for sure for sure you know unless you got like a you know huge LA home like LeBron with a gym and a fitness center I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you're probably you know Busy. Absolutely. So I just want to hop into it here. I know, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we can and will talk to you about, but this being a Bucks podcast, I want to start there. You know, after three solid years at LSU, you know, putting up numbers, you declared for the 2014 NBA draft and got picked by the Bucks, 36th overall. So very early in the second round, you know, 
flashback to that moment. What was your reaction to getting picked by the Bucks, and were you surprised with where you went in that draft? Um, you know what? I I um had a really it's interesting. So I had a really short workout for Milwaukee. I think they had Andrew Wiggins there earlier, and his time like went over. And so um, I just remember our workout that was supposed to be around an hour, hour and thirty. It only went for 30 minutes because everybody had to get back to the airport. So after the workout, um, I just remember John Hammond um, telling me, he was like, hey, if you're available, we're going to draft you. And, um, you know, I was I was slated to go anywhere between, like, late first round and early second round. So I didn't really know where I would fall. And um, sure enough, man, they kept their word and they drafted me at about 36. So. I think it ended up being, like, you know, a fun team uh, for that and, like, you know, that little era of the Milwaukee Bucks, like your rookie year, especially, uh, you know, Brandon Knight started leading the team and ended up making a playoffs. That team is fondly remembered by um, Bucks fans today. It's sort of like it was a team that sort of jump started this new era of Bucks basketball. Just like looking back at that year, what do you remember specifically about that group and that playoff run? Um, I, I just remember as a rookie, man, having some really, really good bets. I think that, um, you know, if you go look at that group, I think that um, all the veterans that we had, I think they've had really solid careers. You know, you look at Ersan, you look at Zaza, you look at Jared Dudley, who's still in the league, you know, being a locker room guy for the Lakers. You look at um, Jared Bayless, who was really helpful. Um, OJ, who was, you know, really helpful at the time. Um, what else do we have? Um, yeah, we, you know, we, we, we just had a good group of vets, and I think that um, – you know, you combine that with Brandon Knight, who was really playing well. Um, I just think it was, you know, really good, um, really good start to the season. I think that start to the season kind of helped us, um, helped us after we made the trade because you know we had to really start over and build team chemistry. And I think that early season start helped us make the playoffs that year. So it's. This is a perfect topic for me. I mean, I when I first really got into, you know, watching and then covering the Bucks, that was, you know, that, that season, the Brandon Knight season, and I absolutely fell in love with Brandon Knight's game. And I remember that trade. I thought the deadline was over, and then the trade comes through, and I was just crushed. I mean, Michael Carter-Williams at the time, he headlined the return, and he was, you know, super intriguing. I mean, he starts off his first game. I think he had, like, a, a triple-double or nearly that against the Heatles. So he was, like, intriguing. It didn't seem terrible right away. But I was just, I, I thought Brandon Knight should have been an all-star. No disrespect to current Buck Kyle Korver or anything like that. But do you remember, like, the vibe of the team when that trade happened? I mean, it had to be a little bit difficult considering how important he was to, to the first half of the season. I do remember. I think um, I think the last person anybody expected to get traded was um, was um, was Brandon Knight. I think that, um, you know, like you said, he was playing well. I think he should have been an all-star as well. And I think that... Um, and and to be honest, you know, we we was we had just finished practice and everybody was on their phones and, and I just remember um Brandon just coming to the locker room, you know, in tears, man, and, and we already kinda knew that, you know, he had been shipped away. So I think that um it was definitely heartbreaking, man, but I think we ended up getting some solid pieces in return and, and uh made a little push. Do you think it's sort of like that trade you said it kinda like affected the locker room a little bit? Do you did that like carry over for the rest of the rest of the season? Like, um, just like having Brandon Knight be traded away from that team. You said it, he was in tears. Locker room was a little shaken. Did that 
did that carry over? Um, you know what? I I don't really I don't really think so. I think that the main thing was just um, you know, we were, we had, we were playing so well, and I think that um, when we got MCW and and Tyler and, and Miles, I think that um, we kind of had to like start over because Brandon was um, he was you know leading the team in scoring. You know, I, I think he was averaging almost almost twenty points a game. Um, I don't quite remember, but um, you know, but I think it was a blessing in disguise because that's that was the rise of like Chris Middleton. That's when he started to become Chris, and you know, um, his talent start his talent started to show. He really he really stepped up and carried the team. So um, I think um, you know it, it kind of hurt us a little bit, but other guys stepped up and and, and did well. Absolutely. That's a that's a great point. I mean, it's been fascinating as someone obviously watching the Bucks this whole time to see all these incremental steps for, for Chris Middleton, you know, coming over as a guy who played the G League in the NBA his rookie year. Then he gets an expanded role in this trade. Then with Malcolm Brogdon leaving this last season, he gets even more of a role. But from your rookie season there with, with a younger Chris Middleton, who certainly wasn't as proven, you know, did you know he could be as good as he is right now back then? You know what? I I, I think so, man. Because I, I just remember um, when he really started to show his talent. I, I was really impressed because uh, he really had a lot to his game. He had three ball. He could post. You know, I was really fascinated by his post footwork. You know, um, being such a big guard, um, he had the three ball. You know, he didn't get rattled. He made he made tough shots. He would defend. You know, he would guard. You know, um, and this before Giannis was becoming Giannis. You know. Um, he would guard LeBron and he would guard, you know, all these tough matchups. So he was definitely a two-way kind of player. And, um, and I, you know, at the time I was like, you know, Chris could, his potential could keep going. And um, obviously he's an all-star now and speaks for itself. So. You, you hinted at there a little bit like Giannis wasn't really Giannis. I guess we could ask the same question about Giannis, like that we just did for Chris. Like, what was he like back in those seasons? Like, did did you think he could be like a league MVP? Because it's you were you were sort of on the team when this when these two uh, now faces of the franchise like they they weren't they weren't really that prominent or even getting great um, minutes. I think with Giannis, man, like I, I had no clue what he would become. I knew that the coaching staff had like ultimate belief in him, but I also knew that um, Giannis was probably the hardest working basketball player I've ever like seen in my life at the time. I think that. Um, he was in the gym every day, twice a day. You know, he could play 40 minutes and he would go back at night. Like it was, it was really crazy, man. And and I knew that, I knew that he would eventually become a good player. Um, I didn't think that he would be a, you know, he would become like back to back MVP. You know, on his way to winning back to back MVPs and the Bucks, the Bucks being the best team in the league. You know, um, but I did think, you know, if he kept working the way he would, you know, he would be special. So. Definitely. So I want to. We'll just hop back just to the the general, you know, the that Bucks team those two years you were around. Obviously, you know, Jason Kidd, the coach at that time. What was it like playing for him? He is, I would say, divisive. I mean, Bucks fans, I think, generally do not have a positive memory of Jason Kidd. A lot of people around the league think he's a and say he's a very good coach. Obviously, now he's with the uh, the Lakers. But what was it like playing for Jason Kidd? What sticks out to you from those days? You know what? I, I think the one thing J. Kidd did, you know, no matter what people say, you know, um, or no matter my relationship with him, I, I just think that 
he when he got to Milwaukee, man, he like he instilled a winning culture. You know, I think like he held the rookies accountable. Like he bring like tradition there. And I think that now like you see it, you know, like I think he instilled in Giannis and Chris like to be leaders. And, and when I was there, like he would really challenge Chris. He would call him out in practice. He would challenge Giannis. And, you know, though, and he would, he would make, you know, challenge Jabari. And, and, and I think that, you know, more than anything, he brought tradition and culture that the Bucks didn't have at the time. And, and he laid that foundation. And I think that um, it's really like showing now. Yeah, that's, you know, that's really interesting. It's, um, it's sort of like easy to point out that, the coaching staff change sort of propelled like this team from like, you know, the lower playoff team to like, you know, top of the league, like you were saying. So a lot of people sort of like you get the it's it's easy to assign blame to Jason Kidd compared to like, you know, just being a young team. And I don't think it's divisive to say that like any coach, he has his faults. Um, but they were a little in at least in the eyes of Bucks fans, they were a little like, you know, bigger than they that was the bigger than his worth, I guess you could say. Um, but you know, I guess it, I guess it worked out for everyone because you know, Bucks have Budenholzer now, and then Jason Kidd, he's on the Lakers, so I guess it works out. But you know, circling back to that uh 14 15 season, it was it was a magical season because it ended in a playoff run for the Milwaukee Bucks, and even though it wasn't like anything super new to the fans the franchise they were coming off what what was that like a 15 win season the season before then they make the playoffs and you ended up actually playing a decent amount of minutes in that last playoff game of the year but unfortunately it's mostly known for the game where Giannis took out Mike Dunleavy but just in general what do you remember about that game um I I just remember it was you know a bad loss and I think it's a blowout and uh (laughs) I think for me personally I just remember getting my first ever playoff minutes and um, just trying to play really hard and, and, you know, just, you know, score, score as many points as I could and just, and just, you know, be productive in the time I had. So I took away from it. It was just my first time checking in in, in the playoffs and, and, you know, just being able to, you know, say I played in a playoff game. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's the thing that, you know, I wrote about it at the time and it's always what I'll remember about, you know, those two seasons that, that you spent with the Bucks. It always seemed like you played really hard. You really tried to make the right plays. You weren't going out there, you know, taking 15 shots a game or whatever, because there were so many other good players on that team. It really did seem like you filled in a role very, very well and just gave that maximum effort. And I just think, do you know, do you feel like that's what was it? Was that what you were aiming to do in, in your minutes in that first season, especially in those first two years? Um, to be to be honest, man, my, my time with the Bucks, man, it's, it's funny because, um, you know, coming out of college, man, I, I was a a like face up five, man. Like I had, you know, I had back to the basket, you know, really good footwork. I can make fadeaways. I can make mid range. You know, I took a couple threes in college, and um. When I got to the Bucks, you know, um, the league was changing really fast. And um, so when I got to the Bucks, um, you know, I, I figured I could, you know, be, you know, I always try to pattern my game after David West early, early in my mm. career. That, you know, that's what I, that's what I looked up to. And um, so when I got to the Bucks, I had to play a lot of four. And um, at the time, you know, I was behind Giannis and Jabari. And Giannis was a four at this time. He wasn't the primary ball handler. So um, those two guys were really, really already good at uh, 
being wing players. Like they could shoot, they could dribble, they could make plays. And so for me, um, when I got put in a position to play the four, you know, I, I couldn't really like, like I, I, I was a five, you know, and I, and I didn't really have time to develop because when you're on a team and you're trying to win, you got to kind of really help. So for me, um, you know, the way I, the way I could help was just playing, playing good defense, um, rebounding, communicating, um, you know, and making, and making my, my you know, making my mid range shots and, and free throws. So for me, it, it was a weird situation because, you know, um, I was trying to develop, but at the same time I had to go out and, and, you know, concentrate on my habits and what I could do at the time to help the team. So, um, you know, those first two years was, was a little weird and awkward, but, you know, for me, I just tried to play hard and, and do what's right. And I think today, man, I'm so much of a better player. So it's um it's pretty, pretty cool. We will get right back to the Johnny O'Brien interview here on the Eurostep in just a second. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner here at Blue Wire, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas right to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Betonline.ag has live daily Madden NFL 20 sims that you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all completely online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering solution. Just, I guess, moving on from the 14-15 season, it, it, it ended up sort of being like a little bit of a disappointment in 15-16 because, you know, the team was coming off that magical 14-15 uh, run, and then they signed, uh, you know, at the time, one of the biggest free agents in Greg Monroe, but something, it just didn't click. What what do you think is the reason that that team sort of stumbled and did not, like, and they ended up missing the playoffs? I think, honestly, man, I just think guys were not happy. I think, um, you know, I don't think, um, you know, I, I just think guys weren't happy, man. I think, uh, I think MCW, you know, he, he wasn't really happy. I think the bench guys weren't happy. Um, um, I, I don't think, you know, Greg Monroe was happy, um, even though he just got paid. Um, I, I just think it was a lot of, you know, unhappy guys on that roster, um, Rashad Vaughn, so I, I just that's 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 what I would chalk it up to. I just really think it was just a group of unhappy guys, and you know we kind of underachieved. So. Is there is there any like particular reason? That... Well, do you do you think like losing all those vets that were so great in, in the previous year? I mean, I think Dudley, Ursan, I think, and uh, Zaza all were let go between those two seasons. Do you think that played into it at sure, all? For sure. I think I think. Definitely, because those guys are so selfless, right? Like, you know, Urson can play, can start 14 games and then not play 14 games. And he, you know, every time he gets in, he's going to be Urson. You know, Zaza the same way. So, but I think when you start, when you take that away and you go younger, um, with younger guys, um, you know, who Greg Monroe was young at the time too, I just think that, you're, you know, we kind of went a lot younger and, um, you know, anytime a younger guy doesn't get what he wants, you know, he kind of, 
becomes, you know, a rebel or resistant. And I think, you know, that's kind of what happens. Guys are just unhappy with their roles or, you know, situation. And, you know, it led to a disappointing season. Following that season, you know, you spent a little bit of time in Denver and then in Charlotte. You know, why uh, Why do you think it didn't work out with the Bucks after that year? And how tough was it to kind of, you know, carve out a new role on these teams after not getting that many minutes to really, you know, show the rest of the league what you could do in the first two years? I think I think the Bucks, man, I just think, you know, they really wanted a, a, a stretch four. And I think that um, – I think that's I think Thun at the time that maybe that's who they drafted, but I think that um, you know I, I for whatever reason you know I really didn't develop how they wanted it to, and I and I totally understand because like I said I had to really you know I was stuck into a role where you look at most second round picks they spend time in the D league, they get to they work on their game, they get to really for me you know I, I had to play immediate minutes, so I had to you know I couldn't come out and if I never shot a three NBA three I couldn't you know definitely couldn't work on it at that point so. I think um, they just wanted to move on to a more, you know, I guess a more polished talent. And I think for me, man, it was a blessing in disguise. I think it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I was able to go to the G League, develop, have a really good G League year, and be done with the G League in three months, get called up by Denver. Um, didn't really play a lot. And then I went to Charlotte, played really well, and I was there for, you know, two years, so a year and a half. So I think um, – it was it was definitely something that helped me. Yeah, you've um, like after that you've had like a successful you've still had a successful playing career and like highlighted by like you know you you became a league champion in Israel. Like how have how have your stops been outside of the NBA? It's been really good, man. I think I've been one of the best bigs in Europe. I think um, this year I shot you know forty percent from three on five threes a game. So it, it's been I mean it's been incredible, man. Like I, I've really developed. Um, and so the player that I want to be, I think, um, becoming, a, you know, scratch four and just really like showcasing my talent, man, I think, um, and, and I'm in a much, you know, much better spirits, man, just, um, you know, being a player that I want to be and, and, and overseas has been really fun for myself and my family. The experience has been great. No, that's awesome. I mean, you hear sometimes about, you know, players struggling to, you know, accommodate to the overseas circumstances. I think it's terrific. You got to, uh, bring the family out there. I feel like the next logical question then, you know, you're feeling better about your game than ever. Are you eyeing a, you know, a potential return to the NBA or still kind of keeping the options open? Obviously you have a business venture as well. We're going to get to in just a second here, but. Um, I I mean, I'm, I'm definitely always, you know, definitely would always want to return to the NBA, but for me, man, I think, um, I want to return when the situation is right. You know, um, for, I think for most of my NBA career, and kind of, kind of sit at the end of the bench. So I think in Europe, man, where you know where I could be a you know premier player and be a primary player, and it's high level basketball. A lot of a lot of NBA guys are in Europe now. So I think um, for me, you know, I, I want to return to the NBA when when my value is high and, and the time is right. You know, until then, you know, myself and my family, you know, we've been enjoying, you know, how things are. So. Yeah, well, it's not to enjoy. You've had, you, you know, you're having a successful um, career in, you know, a premier role, uh, and you're still, yeah, you're still really young. You're not even 27, so it's you've you've got nothing but you know good things going ahead of you in your playing career. Definitely. All right, so let's. Uh, I mean, we alluded to it earlier. You're currently the CEO of Noir Caesar. 
Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's a, an anime and manga publishing company. Um, so I, I had not, I somehow I didn't, I hadn't really heard about this as much. I've been doing some research. It seems very, very cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. But in your words, could you describe the, the mission of this and why it's important to you? So for me, man, I, I grew up a huge, like, anime comic book um, animation fan. And um, the one thing I just always noticed, you know, there wouldn't be a lot of, you know, black characters or African-American characters, just characters in, of color in general. You know, I, I noticed there would be, like, cats, dogs, you know, talking octopus or fish, but, like, you know, never a black character. So for me, I wanted to start something that uh, people like myself who enjoy this form of ourselves reflect, you know, reflected in this art. And um, and when I started, honestly, man, like, it was just something that, like, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to do as a hobby. And um, and it, it really took off, man, to be honest. We have a ton of books. We have animation out. It's uh, We have an office in Charlotte. So it, it's, it's doing really well, man. Like, it's, it's really big. And, um, and, you know, whatever time I'm not spending with my family or playing, like, it, that definitely takes a lot of time. So um, I'm definitely proud of that. No, it's something obviously you should be proud of. I, I relate to like the inclusivity sort of aspect of things. It's it's, it's beautiful to see when you know you can have characters that you can relate to, and you know you are so, you and this company you're sort of bringing that to so many young people and people just in general across the globe. So I, you know, I commend you for that. That's just it's a, it's a beautiful venture. Definitely, definitely. Thank you. So, you know, what you said, you, you know, you started it up, you weren't really planning on making it, you know, such a, an, uh, I guess, like official or established business. Can you talk about, you know, how this did come to be? You know, when did this go from an idea to something you were working on to becoming, you know, this now full-fledged company with that's making, producing content? Um, it, it, it started when, like, we, we created our first book called Promise 7, and then we had like some animation done for it and we released them together online. And, um, and, and when it released, um, it just kind of went crazy. Like, you know, a ton of followers and a ton of comments and a ton of views. And, um, people just start following North Caesar Instagram page, um, rapidly. And, um, and I was just shocked. I was like, wow. Like I, I didn't really, like I knew, you know, I was one of few, um, that I knew that, that liked anime and manga. You know, it wasn't, people wasn't so open about it. And um, then it, it just started growing. And so me and my business partner was like, you know, well, what if, what if we created a bunch of books and keep pushing? And so we just keep, we just kept adding things and, and testing the waters. And and, um, and eventually, man, it, it became what it is now. So. I think that's so cool. I mean, it's, there's more talk than ever, I feel like, about, you know, professional basketball players having, you know, a post pro career or something else to do. I know Pat Connaughton on the Bucks now is really open and vocal about players. In his case, it's real estate, like finding something else to do, whether it's a work stoppage like this pandemic or just, you know, that post-retirement thing. And it really seems like you've kind of already found yours. I mean, is this something that you would look at doing full-time when you are done playing professionally? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Man. I've been setting that up, and I think um... – for me, man, like I, I never wanted to coach, you know, I never wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to give as much as I can to the game and, and, and be done with it. And um, obviously I have kids, you know, I will get back into it for them. But um, for me, man, I, I just kind of wanted to lean in something else I love and, and 
you know, that's anime and manga. And I actually, I actually want to be a filmmaker as well when I'm done. I just think I just love telling stories and, and, and really, I want to really, you know, be able to do it from a director, directing and um, filmmaking standpoint. So, would, uh, are you talking films in like the same sort of style or just uh, films in general? What What are you talking here? I think films in general. I think, um, um, you know, we just finished. I just finished two documentaries that I that I helped direct and, and put together, which were pretty cool. Um, be dropping them soon, but yeah. So I I really want to like get into filmmaking, man, and, and, and creating cool stories and, and content. So. Wow, no, I lo- that's that's great energy. I love the love that you're already getting into it. You know, for for a listener now who's maybe heard about this idea and is interested, you know, where would they go to find either the the Noir Caesar content or these documentaries that you just uh, mentioned? So you you can just literally go to northcaesar.com, man, and, and and check out the content. You know, we 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 have an app in development now that um, people can really can view everything from their phone here in a little while, but. You know, for now, you can just go to northseason.com, check it out. You can buy the books. Um, you know, um, we got cool little videos, animation you could check out. So, um, yeah, for now, you know, I think you can check everything out there. Oh, that's so cool. So then last year, I feel like I have to ask, you know, as the, the Bucks podcast or one of the Bucks podcasters in the room, you know, if you were considering that comeback and the right role and everything came along, would you sign back with the Milwaukee Bucks? I, I think I, I mean I, I definitely would, man. Is you know Milwaukee, man. It's it, it's weird. Like um, it, it holds such a special place in my heart just because you know, they get the opportunity to be an NBA player. And I think um, you know I, I was a part of like the foundation of that. And um, you know to see like I don't even think Bucks fans would have thought Milwaukee would be <laughs> the best team in the NBA uh, when I was playing. You know so, but. I think that um, you know, I, I would love to contribute to what those guys have going on now. Seems like uh, seems like an incredible team, uh, an incredible group of guys. And uh, you know, if, if that opportunity ever comes, sure, I definitely you know take that, take them up on that offer. No, I definitely, I definitely think the foundational thing of what you mentioned was was very accurate because, like as I mentioned at the top, this uh, that run like 14, 15, 15, 16, that holds such a special place in the hearts of Bucks fans everywhere because it it jump started this new era. You know, there's the new ownership, and then you got the deal for the new arena, and then you just you start a, you build from there. You get your playoff experience. Everything just sort of came from those seasons, and you know, you being a part of it, you're like that's why most you know. You're well discussed amongst the most the Bucks fans because you were part of those teams. I speak for most of Bucks fans when I say that those teams will always hold a special place in our hearts. Uh, no, I appreciate you guys, man. Like I said, uh, and any Bucks fans who <laughs> who went out and bought a JLB jersey, it, it's weird because like I, I used to see like a few '77 jerseys in the crowd, man. And I would be, and I, and I, I would think it was a joke. You know, I'm like, man, like why, why you want a JLB jersey, but. Um, Either way, man, I appreciate anybody who supported me, you know, during my time in Milwaukee. So, absolutely, as the as the proud owner of one of those jerseys, I just definitely was not a joke. It was just sort of like, you know, like I said earlier, it just felt like, you know, you brought it all when you were out there, even if it wasn't the ideal situation. I, I thought you played the right way. That mid range jumper was underrated. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I thought that was uh, people people slept a little bit on on the mid range that you were bringing back then. I can't wait to 
to see the uh, the long range development uh, now that you got. But no, that is uh, that is terrific. But I think uh, I think I'm all out of questions unless you had anything else, Rohan. Um, no, I think I think we're good here. Uh, I guess is there any any specific thing you know besides like Norris Caesar that you wanted to shout out? Um. Um, not really, man. I think, um, you know, like I said, man, I'm always thankful for Milwaukee, the opportunity, the fans, the, you know, the city, man, and, and just always know that, you know, they have a special place in my heart. So that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, thank you once again for being on this episode of the Eurostep. If all of you listening out there enjoyed this episode please leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice uh, make sure you follow everything related to johnny o'brien here everything related to north caesar check out all the great content that's being put out there because it is fantastic i've checked it out. it's it's really great stuff just make sure you tell your family and friends about this podcast make sure you check out all of the content across the blue wire podcast network and all i have to say now please stay safe out there and we will talk to you next time Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.